Well, it's wonderful to see so many of you here today. We've got a very special guest with us today, and his name is Warren. Some of you who are a little bit older may recognize him as he used to be on our TV screens every Saturday night in the 90s and early noughties. So I'd love for you to welcome Warren to the stage now. So do give Warren a big round of applause. Thank you. That's, that's very kind. How are you doing, Warren? Uh, I'm doing really well, Ben. I'm really pleased to be here. It's lovely to be out of lockdown. I know we're not really out of lockdown, but it's just lovely to get out. And it's lovely to see what's going on here. Well, it's wonderful to have you here. Now, Warren, tell us a little bit about, I've just shared that you were on our TV screens a lot in the 90s. In fact, you were one of the most photographed faces of that decade, I think, always in the press. Tell us what you were doing. Uh, so, yeah, the TV show I was on was um, Gladiators. That show started 28 years ago, someone reminded me the other day. That's a long time ago, isn't it? But that was, back then, there was just five channels. And uh, uh, it, it was on ITV and had all the money, so it was a great big show. Do, and, uh, does anyone remember the show, The Gladiators? Anyone old enough to remember it? Oh, a few people. Two hands at the back, but they, they don't <laughs> look old enough, do they? Uh, what was that experience like for you, Warren? Um, well, it was, it was phenomenal, Ben. You know, to begin with, I grew up on a council estate in, um, in Doncaster. I had four brothers, and um, we were skint. You know, Dad was a roofer, so when it was raining, we had no money. Um, and so I just thought, I don't want a life like, like I had growing up. And I thought, you know, when I leave school, I'll try and become a Hollywood movie star, you know. So I started going to the gym, lifting weights. So when I got on the Gladiators, it was like, wow, this is going to bring me such freedom. This is just going to be like a ticket to Hollywood, you know. And did it turn out to be like that? Um, no, I didn't realize that show business is a business. And so as much as I thought, you know, I'm not going to have a life like Dad. You know, Dad wasn't free. He had no freedom. Um, I thought that, that, that show business would give me that, you know, fame, riches. Um, I just thought, that's it. I'm going to make it and live happily ever after. But actually, the opposite happened. Uh, I, I became quite lonely, actually. You know, it's, uh, I thought by having the muscles and being, you know, ace off gladiators that I'd live happy ever after, but it was actually quite a lonely place to be, Ben. Mm. Uh, and show business, as much as it's red carpets and glitter and champagne, uh, the reality of that is, is, is not what, what, what it seems. So the theme of Christmas here at St. Thomas's is comfort and joy. Mm. And so would you say that while you were on the TV show The Gladiators, you were looking for comfort in some way, for, you, for yourself to be fulfilled in some sense? Yeah, because I was uncomfortable growing up. You know, we were skint, so I just thought, if I get lots of money, I'll be comfortable. So I started to put my faith in money. Um, but funny enough, you know, as much as I thought that would bring fee uh, freedom, actually it brought more fear because I was like, I wanted to be bigger and stronger than everyone. But then I was scared that I'd become irrelevant because, you know, if the show ended, which it did, everything comes to an end, then, and your whole identity is pinned on that, then, then what? You know, mm -hmm. so I knew that, that it was like a, a deck of cards really waiting to, to collapse. And tell us, some of the, tell us some of the things that you were looking, you were looking to, to fulfill yourself and some of the things you were turning to for comfort. Uh, well, I think in the end it was probably southern comfort, really, Ben, in all honesty. <laughs> um, it was very much a party lifestyle. Um, and, and I think with show business, there's so many highs in it, you get lots of lows as well. So, you know, when you're on TV in front of 16 million people, traveling the world, you know, you're commercially important at that point. So all these big companies are giving you some, uh, all, all the stuff, the cars, watches, you know, uh, property, lots of stuff for nothing. Um, you know, you think that's, ne that's never going to end. So when that goes, it's, uh, it's not a comfortable place to be either. I went rogue. What was your question? Sorry. Where did you look for comfort? Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, 
I suppose I thought that, that, that money would make me com comfortable, you know, that that would bring me a freedom. I wouldn't have to have the life of fear that my, that my dad had. But actually, with all that, I was more fearful because I was fearful of losing it. Mm. And of course, I wanted to keep up with everybody else. When, you're, when you've become accustomed to comfort and wealth, um, you want to keep it. You don't want it to go. If you've been flying first class, you don't want to be in the back with the chickens later on, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And would you say you had any peace at all, Warren, during this part of your life? No. No, I was striving all the time. It was a rat race. It really was a rat race. And actually, it got, it got harder. You know, it was... Um, and it was cynical, like I say, it was all red carpets and, and glitter, but and we was all like lovey-dovey, air kisses and these things. Um, but that's not real. None of it was real. It was, um, it was all for the cameras. I think it's a bit like social media now, Ben. You know, mm. people show their Instagram pages and stuff, but you, you don't see the real. You see the ideal. You know, people's lives really, you know, lots of people, most people, I think, live lives that are complicated and difficult, but we want to show the best. And that's really what show business was like. You showed this ideal, you know, I had this perfect life, but it wasn't the real. I was actually quite lonely in that life. Mm -hmm. And a few years ago, you started to explore some of the big questions of life, didn't you? And you found some comfort there. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that journey and that story? Um, yeah, so like I say, when I was on TV, as much as I was, you know, outwardly looking successful, I was really aware that I was spiritually empty. Um, I didn't believe in God. I'd come to churches. I was, again, because of show business, seeing it was a business, I was cynical about churches. I just thought they were like a business. You know, it's where you go, you hatch, match, dispatch. You know, if you want a place in space, you go to a church. So um, I, was, I was cynical about that. But my wife, who's a Christian, invited me um, on an Alpha course. This is where I met Ben. And uh, I remember first meeting you, Ben, six years ago. And uh, Ben, ben explaining the gospel me to me for the first time. And you were using wacky sayings like, would you like to give your life to Jesus? And I'm like, this lad's insane. What are you talking about? Give your life to Jesus. Um, but then when the gospel was explained to me that I'm separated uh, from God, that actually Ben offended me. I remember mm. at the time it thinking, hang on a minute, I'm a good person. And, if, and if, you know, if there's a creator that's created me and loves me, you know, why have I got to suddenly repent and, and you know, have sins forgiven? I didn't understand what sin was, if you remember. Um, and uh, yeah, so to cut a long story short, I soon gave my life to, Je to Jesus, didn't I? Because I started to investigate the evidence of the person of Jesus Christ. And I had no idea that, you know, it's 2021 now. The whole world is counting in unison to the birth of Jesus Christ and his return. And so, you know, as I, was, I remember sitting there and arrogantly trying to prove you wrong. Uh, and obviously that's not what happened. So uh, you led me in a prayer and everything changed. Yeah, and just a few weeks after that, I can remember baptizing you and Dee, who is here tonight, and your two beautiful children as well. Tell us a little bit about what's happened since you, since you became a Christian and since you decided that Jesus really is who he says he is, he really is Lord. What's life been like for you since then? Well, I think you've, you've missed something there, Ben. So, so um, I, I've got three brothers now, and uh, they're all builders in London. And uh, when I was telling them that, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand, and I'm following Jesus, I've met Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, they were like, you've gone insane. And my youngest brother, who's a builder in London, said, I've got to come up to York and see what you're doing at this baptism, because we're all we're worried about you. Can you remember this? Yeah, I can. And my youngest brother come up, and uh, halfway through the service, he had tears in his eyes. I thought, what's wrong with him? And then he walked over to Ben, and then Ben says, your brother wants to give his life to Jesus. Can you remember that? And my brother yeah. ended up getting baptized at the same time. 
And I haven't updated you on this yet, but his life has turned around, completely transformed. He's married now to a lovely Christian girl. All his family's come back together. It's, uh, it's quite incredible. But I've gone rogue on your question again, Ben, and I know we're up against time. <laughs> no, don't worry. <laughs> we're up against time. Um, so, yeah, the difference that's made, essentially, I was building my own empire. All empires crumble. You know, we live in a society, a, you know, a consumer culture. It's all about getting, and you get stuff, and it makes you happy. But actually, we sort of hide death. Um, but actually, there's no, there's no fear of death. And the kingdom of God is at hand. You know, and it's a bit like I just said. It's 2,021 years now since Jesus' birth. We're all counting in unison for that, and he's coming back soon. So um, after saying that prayer, you know, God is now above me. Jesus walks beside me. And the Holy Spirit dwells within me. So I gave up building the, um, the empires. And, uh, you know, I was a builder by trade as well. I was building houses. I gave that up as well. Because we are, I believe we're, we are living in the most exciting times to be alive because the kingdom of God is at hand and you can see it now. And I think it's a shame really that sometimes we have to wait till Christmas to remember Jesus and to remember what's going on. And, and it, so everything's transformed, everything's turned around and my life has bump, become an incredible adventure. You know, I used to say it was great on the TV, um, but I've lived more in the last six years than I'd lived my whole life previously to that, Ben. And tell us a little bit about what you are doing now. What do you spend some of your time doing? Uh, so we now, uh, we've registered a charity called um, Ace Active. Um, and just as Ben explained the gospel to me, it became apparent that actually we live in a politically correct culture where, where kids are told that, you know, truth is subjective. You can just sort of believe everything. But I think that's a dangerous diversion from truth. You know, and we're living in times as well where kids, you know, a lot of young people have no hope. You know, they're like, there's a lot going on out there at the minute. It's a scary time. And I just thought, if I could get into schools and share the gospel with kids in creative ways, um, that would be a real blessing to them because it's transformed my life and I know it's the power to transform their life. So I consider that a divine privilege, actually, a real divine privilege. I'm able to travel up and down the country. Well, I was until a few months ago, but we're doing a lot digitally now, um, sharing the gospel all over the place. And, and we do that in, in fun, creative ways, Ben. So although I was a, a gladiator on the TV, you know, it's not that nonsense really that, that I'm telling the kids. I tell them the real gladiator story. You know, I tell them the fact that there were real gladiators that used to fight to the death in the Colosseum in Roman times. Uh, and there were lots of different gods, lots of different spiritual journeys to go on. But ultimately, you know, people were murdering each other in these great big amphitheaters. And so as I explain this to kids and I, you know, and I show them the arm and stuff, I then say somebody turned up and changed all that. Who do you think that was? And it's great because this is Jesus Christ turned up in the middle of those times. And he actually put an end to the gladiator game. So we share this in, in lots of different ways in schools. But it's great, it's great fun, Ben, more than anything else. And perhaps there's some people here today, Warren, or watching online who were like you six, six and a half years ago. You've got some questions about who Jesus is and maybe just trying out church. What would be your encouragement to them today? Uh, well, I think the best thing to do is to go on an alpha course, actually, um, because, you know, I've tasted and seen. So I, I, would, I would put it to anybody that you are, that you are created for a purpose. Uh, God loves you. He has an incredible plan on your life. Um, and you might miss that, <laughs> you know, and that's really what sin is. It's just, it's just going in a direction where you're trying to prove yourself and you think if you get this job or this holiday or this partner, you'll be happy. But actually, it's far simpler th than that. And that's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the message of the gospel, that actually you don't have to earn your way, your way to God. God loves you so much, Jesus is waiting with his arms wide open. So all I would say to anybody who doesn't know Jesus Christ personally um, is to examine the evidence of Jesus Christ. And the best way of doing that is by going on a course like an Alpha course because you can you know, build relationships
relationships slowly, get to know people and ask the bigger questions. So I found that really, really useful, Ben. Wonderful. Well, Warren, it's great to have you with us today. Can we give Warren a big round of applause? Great. Thing. The next reading is taken from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to, to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. We are going to continue to reflect on the theme of comfort, and we're particularly going to use that reading from Matthew's Gospel that Anne has just brought to us. So let me pray for us as we continue to reflect on the Christmas story. Father, thank you so much for this season. Thank you for the hope that it brings in the midst of darkness. And we pray that as we reflect on your word, that we might meet the living word, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're going to continue to reflect on this theme of comfort. Now, the reading that Anne just gave us from Matthew chapter, um, Matthew chapter 1 gives us an account of the Christmas story that sometimes we, for, we forget. And in the verses that Anne just read to us, we particularly hear the, the, the narrative of Christmas from Joseph's perspective. Joseph, of course, was Mary's fiancé. And Joseph suddenly finds himself in this situation where his girlfriend, his fiancé, is pregnant. And Mary is telling his fiancé, don't worry about it, Joe. I'm pregnant with God himself. I promise you I'm a virgin. And the, the, the baby that's in me is the Messiah. Well, of course, Joseph cannot believe it. In fact, in verse 19, we're told by Matthew that Joseph is going to leave Mary. He's not going to marry her. He's just going to walk away. You know, Joseph knows how these things work. In order for there to be a baby, something must have happened. And so he decides that Mary has been unfaithful. She can't possibly be a virgin. She can't possibly really be giving birth to the Son of God, to the Messiah. Well, perhaps you're here today or you're with us online and you feel like Joseph, you know, like Joseph did at the start of our reading today. You're unsure. You've got some questions. You need to be convinced that Jesus really is who he says he is. Perhaps you feel like Warren did just six and a half years 
years ago, wondering about who God is, but not really sure of any of the answers. Perhaps you're here today and you think the message that Warren shared just a moment ago about receiving new life and forgiveness is just too good to be true. Why would God want to do that for me is perhaps a question that you're asking. Or perhaps you have some doubts, maybe about yourself, about other people, or even about the Bible or God. Well, if those things are true for you, then let me just say this. You are so welcome here today. We welcome everybody here, regardless of where you are on your, in your relationship with church, what, what, where you are in terms of discovering who Jesus is. We're just so delighted that you are with us. But let me say this. You're in good company if you do have some questions, because Joseph had some questions at the start of our passage. And yet, he was persuaded through the word of God that Jesus, the baby inside Mary, really was the Messiah. Joseph had some questions, but was convinced that the baby inside Mary really was God himself, Emmanuel, God with us. Joseph heard these claims that came to him in the form of an angel, and his heart and mind was changed. And that isn't just something that happened 2,000 years ago. It continues to happen today. You've heard from Warren, who six years ago, along with Dee and his two children, um, heard the gospel, were baptized, heard the good news of who Jesus was, and their life has been totally turned around. My ask to all of us this Christmas is that our hearts will be open to the truth of who God is, to the truth of who Jesus is and to his word. Because perhaps what happened to Joseph or what happened to Warren and Dee can happen to you as well. Now, I think the reason that Joseph's mind and heart was changed was because the angel, when the angel brought the word of God to Joseph in verses 19, 20, 21, the angel made some very clear claims about the identity and the person of Jesus. And it's these that I just want us to look at briefly today. So look at what the angel says in verse 20 and 21. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save their people, his, um, save his people from their sins. So the angel says to Joseph, the name that you're to give this child, Joseph, is Jesus, which means God saves. In other words, the child that Mary is carrying is a saviour. He's going to save his people. In other words, the angel is saying to Joseph, look, Mary has not been unfaithful at all. Instead, she really is carrying the hope of the world inside her. Now, on one level, this would have been very comforting to Joseph. God's people, the Jewish people at this time, had been waiting for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for a saviour, for, for, for the arrival of the Messiah. And the angel is saying to Joseph and, he's say, and saying to all of us through God's word today, here he is. His name is Jesus. So at the start of this Advent and Christmas season, let's be open to the possibility that Jesus really is the Saviour and the Messiah. 
Now, the second thing that happens in these verses is that when Joseph wakes up from his dream, Joseph would have begun to have joined the dots. So Joseph, again, being a good um, Jewish man, would have known, probably inside out, because he'd have been taught them from a very young age, the prophecies about the Messiah coming. And he would have known the prophecy in Isaiah and elsewhere in the Old Testament that said that God himself will come to be with you and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. You see, Jesus is not just a saviour. Jesus is the saviour. Jesus isn't just a hope. Jesus is the only hope. But here's the good news about this name that we read about in these verses in Matthew's Gospel, Emmanuel. He isn't a hope up there. He's not just a philosophical construct. He's not just the property of theologians or religious people. He is God with us. He came right to us in the person of Jesus. Now, this is such good news. One of the things that I have found really difficult about 2020, and I'm sure lots of you have found this as well, is that for, since March, we've been told to socially distance. We've been told to stay two meters away from people or a meter if you're in a face mask. We've been told not to touch each other. We've been told not to go into each other's homes. And that's just not normal. That is not normal human behavior. But here's the thing. God in Jesus Christ physically came to us. In fact, think about this. Jesus, Christians believe, has always existed since the beginning of time. God has been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus left the throne room of heaven, came to the earth, knew that he would die a death on a cross for for those whom he was saving, and in that moment, for the first time, would experience something of the separation of being separated from the Father. Jesus, for a time, was socially distant so that we never needed to be. And this is the thing that makes Christianity so different from every other world religion. Every other religion tells you you must do X, Y, or Z in order to earn your way to heaven. Follow all of these rules. Follow all of these regulations. Reach up there, and one day you might be good enough. But the message of the Bible is that God in Jesus came to us. We don't have to find God. God came to find us. Now, Joseph seemed to have been convinced by this. It would have been a great source of comfort to him. Now, the other and final thing we'll look at from Matthew's Gospel today about the identity of Jesus is that the angel says to Joseph in verse 21 that Jesus will save his people from their sins. See, Jesus isn't just God with us, but he's God with us for a purpose, to redeem us, to rescue us, to save us from our sin. Now, perhaps as Warren said just a little bit earlier, you find that offensive. Perhaps you find it an affront to yourself that you are in some way sinful. Perhaps you don't like that old-fashioned churchy language. What? You're telling me, Ben, that I'm a sinner? Well, listen to what the Queen said in her Christmas address to the nation just a few years ago. She addressed the whole nation, and it was quite remarkable. She said this to them. Although we are capable of great acts of kindness... 
History teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves. We all need saving from our recklessness or our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but he sent a savior with the power to forgive. What the queen was doing in that moment, she was telling the nation that we are all sinful. None of us is perfect. We all need forgiving. And that forgiveness can only come from the Savior, who is Jesus Christ. The Times once sent out an inquiry to famous authors, asking the question, what is wrong with the world? And G.K. Chesterton, who was a well-known author at the time, wrote back to the editor and just simply wrote this. Dear sir, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. Now, if we're really honest with ourselves, we don't need to turn on the news to know that there's something wrong with the world. Although turning on the news does tell us that there is lots wrong with the world. You just need to flick through social media to know that there's something up. But if we're really honest, we just need to look at our own lives to know that we often get things wrong. We think things we shouldn't, we say things we shouldn't, we do things that we shouldn't, and we end up hurting ourselves and those around us. But Jesus came to set us free from that. And he did so by dying on a cross. On the cross, Jesus took on all of the wrong in my life. He became sin so that I might be what he is, righteous, be seen as perfect. There was an exchange that went on where he took on my sin and exchanged it for his perfection. He rose again so that we might have fullness of life. He came to set us free from our sin. Now, it was this that convinced Joseph. He woke up and was absolutely resolute that Jesus really was who the angel said he was, and he was going to stick by Mary. How about you? Will you be open this Advent and this Christmas to the message that you might need saving, that the world needs hope, that the world needs comfort, that the world needs a savior? Will you be open like Joseph to believe that Jesus really is God with us and that he came to set you free from your sin? My favorite Christmas carol is O Little Town of Bethlehem. And there's a verse in that carol that goes, um, well, go, I'll read it in, in just a moment, but I'm going to use this verse as a prayer. And if you want to, like Warren did all of those years ago, like Joseph did, if you want to say Jesus really is who he says he is, if you want to turn away from the stuff in your life that you know is wrong and turn to Jesus, then can I encourage you to pray this verse from this Christmas carol with me? And if you do pray this prayer, then just come and let myself or somebody on the door, somebody with a lanyard know, because we would love to invite you on an alpha course 
Um, as Warren was talking about, we'd love to give you a book and a Bible to help you um, in your way discover and learn even more about God's love for you that's uniquely revealed in the person of Jesus. So here's the prayer. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to me, I pray. Cast out my sin and enter in. Be born in me today. I hear the Christmas message, the good news that it brings. O come to me, abide with me, my Lord and God and King. Amen.